Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the EFT Healing Center podcast starring Annabelle Fisher. I'm your co-host, Scott Patton. Hi, Annabelle. How are you doing today? Hello, Scott. I'm really great. Thank you very much. How are you? Good, good. I'm uh, just having a, having a wonderful day, and I've been tapping away, and I'm just amazed. I'm still amazed at how I can just feel the energy shifting as, uh, as I do, the, uh, particularly after I've gone through it once or twice. You know, I'm yawning, and I can just, uh, it just feels like everything is snapping back into place in my body energetically, and I've, I've never uh, really experienced that before. So it's kind of, I feel like a violin where the strings have been kind of all wobbly in the wrong place, and all of a sudden they're being pulled tightly the way they're supposed to be so that they're able to now play beautiful music. <laughs> I love that analogy. That's a, I might use that in a workshop. Thank you. I think that's a beautiful uh, metaphor. I, because you you uh, ended by saying so. I so the violin will now play beautifully, and that's it, isn't it? Our energy now, after tapping, now flows beautifully. So we are function well more than functioning. We're starting to thrive because uh, there is that ease and well-being. Yeah, and it occurred to me that even if four of the five violin strings are right, you know, tuned correctly, if the fifth one is off, it ruins the whole performance. Yes, absolutely. Uh, because we all the good intentions in the world uh, will not be enough if uh, there are some blocks energetically there. If our energy system is disrupted, uh, then the the performance, so to speak, will never be um, the way that we want it to be. Right. You actually, when you said that, you reminded me of a friend of mine. We just uh, got together the other day. He started doing drugs when he was 11, sniffing glue, and was basically on the streets, living on the streets when he was in his 20s, and at one point decided, for, you know, through the fog of his, you know, drug-induced stupors, thought, you know, I'm going, to be di- I'm going to be dying if I, I'm going to be dead if I keep living this way. So he got clean, and he was clean for 12 years, about nine years when I met him, and uh, it was very, very successful, actually. He had a, be- had a wife, they were happily married, he had uh, a beautiful home, a, a thriving business, and everything else, and then uh, for some reason, around 12 years, of being cl- after 12 years of being clean and not touching anything, he went back on drugs lost everything and uh, and then had to, you know was living on the streets again and then he got clean he's been clean four years and he's you know building up his his business uh, once more and it just occurred to, to me as we were talking like here's you know here's it's a pattern of you know doing drugs you know being successful doing drugs losing everything being successful and he, I really felt when he went back on the drugs that he had sabotaged himself. Yes, exactly. Because something, um, I mean, to use that violin analogy, uh, one of the strings just wasn't tight enough so the music was playing beautifully. Something still wasn't uh, right for him, wasn't fulfilling or satisfying enough. Uh, so he went back into the pattern that he, he knew and felt safe in. Right. And you see, that happens to me um, when it comes to weight, because I, I like to do hot yoga and, uh, um, you know, I eat well. And then 
I don't do hot yoga for a month, and I uh, drink milkshakes, and the next thing you know, the 10 pounds that I lost and was so proud of, and all my clothes fit so nicely, all of a sudden they're tight again, and I'm back up where I was, right? So I have this, I'm sure that I'm the only one that has this kind of yo-yo thing going on where I'll lose some weight and then I gain it back and then I'll gain some more and I'll lose some. And it's a unfortunate upward spiral. <laughs> you know, it's a... Yes. And uh, I mean, we talked about uh, psychological reversal, self-sabotage uh, a, f- a few podcasts back, Scott, but I think it's so hugely important uh, in in understanding um, how uh, hugely powerful EFT can be, the potential of EFT to override psychological reversal. Um, and if we're able to do that, then we really uh, can be incredibly successful and, and gain whatever it is that we want to accomplish. So if that's uh, to, to quit a, a drug of choice um, or to get to our goal weight or whatever it is, uh, then so long as we can override that self-sabotage that's going on, um, uh, the, the the complex part of uh, psychological reversal is that we uh, we may not even realize that it's going on. No, nobody sh- exhibits outwardly. Uh, they don't show a sign of being psychologically reversed. They don't look a certain way. Uh, but it, it's <laughs> your eyes don't uh, turn from so green we, we, to yellow, right? <laughs> that's right. Yes, exactly. Ah, you uh, but have it psychological is, it reversal. Pres- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But it is present in about 40% of most issues. Uh, So once we can override that with the setup, which we talked about last podcast, where we we tap on the karate chop point and we acknowledge what the problem is and we accept ourselves anyway for it, uh, then uh, the the psychological uh, healing won't happen if psychological reversal is still at play. And I noticed that... um, it's interesting you mentioned your your friend who was was an addict and then became clean uh, became hugely successful and then became an addict again and it's often the way that uh, we spiral into this this cycle um, of, of whatever it is uh, so that there's success and then there is um, discomfort and stress around that um, and then then the backward turn happens. And it's interesting because uh, yesterday I was working uh, with a client um, and we were we were talking about um, a current situation that she had been in where she felt uh, that she had been minimized in her word, uh, her words, uh, where the person hadn't respected her fully. She certainly hadn't been heard in, in what she needed. And um, so we took it back through uh, some questions that I asked her. Um, And she was reminded of when she was very young and uh, for various reasons, uh, uh, because of her childhood, her mother had said to her, you're strong, you don't need my love. So um, in her logical mind, uh, she understood that her mother was suggesting how how strong and awesome and powerful she was, um, and in her words, what a trooper she was. Um, however, what had happened, and we were, it was very clear as we talked and tapped that this had become a pattern in her life, that she had taken on this belief of I am strong, I don't need her, as in my mother's love, but also 
perhaps I don't need anyone's love. And as I say, she called herself the trooper. Now, to me, trooper suggests kind of soldiering on in a battle-like environment. Being a trooper, I mean, maybe this is me, but being a trooper, I'm, I'm unsure if that's something that we would strive towards being. I like the idea of being strong and powerful and perhaps a warrior, but a trooper sounds very exhausting to me. Uh, and what she had found um, was that perhaps because of this belief that she inherited and she took on as her own, and she did so willingly because she was only a little girl, so she believed her mother, yes. uh, then she, she kind of resonated at, a, at an energetic vibration of, I am strong, so therefore I don't need you, whoever the person was. So it was actually possibly her own children and anybody, friends, colleagues, strangers around her. This was the vibration that she had. So actually what was happening was people were not supporting her, were not, in her words, hearing her, were minimizing her. So um, I, I noticed that this was self-sabotage at play because of the belief system she had. In a sense, to put it crudely, she was almost repelling people. Because if she was believing at such a deeply subconscious level, um, I don't, um, I, I'm strong enough, I don't need your love, uh, she also possibly had interpreted that as I don't deserve your love. And then other people were picking up on that as, oh, isn't she strong? And, and she's a trooper and she can do it. She doesn't need our support. But of course, the downside to that was that she ended up feeling unheard and unsupported and uncared for and indeed unloved. Uh, so we started to tap on that belief system and how it had come, uh, come into play in her adult life as well um, and managed to turn that around. So I, I thought that was extraordinary, the way that psychological reversal was at play there. Right, right. That's amazing. And I agree with you. Like yeah, when I think of Trooper, I think of, you know, like this large group of people all acting the same and uh, very unemotional and disconnected doing uh, going off to war to die yes <laughs> and ha perhaps having to be disconnected otherwise um, they would put themselves in a place of vulnerability and who knows what could happen so uh, there's almost a sense of I must be strong and, uh, and, and fight and soldier on uh, but in fact that, that's ex extremely exhausting on the physical body as well as the emotions um, and I notice as well with um, often with uh, many people um, one way that psychological reversal is at play is is the fear that when they accomplish something, uh, whatever it is, so for example, um, they, they quit their drug of choice or uh, they write their book or they, uh, they leave the relationship that they're in uh, unhappily or uh, they leave the job that they're in unhappily, whatever the situation is, there is most usually um, a fear and that could be of success or failure. So uh, for some people, it could be, well, if I do write this book and it's a complete flop, for example, um, what will they think of me? Or my reputation will go down uh, or I'll never be taken seriously or I'll probably never write again. So then that, that, those thoughts become beliefs 
and those beliefs are so powerful and all pervading, then it's not worth writing the book in the first place, for example. Alternatively, um, the, the opposite to that is the fear of success. So if I write this book and it's accepted and published, where could that take me? Thousands of copies could be sold um, and I'll become very well known in my field and people will respect me and then they might expect even more of me. I might have to write another book and they'll expect that to be even better. Um, and I mean, it's quite common. Uh, I mean, I, I've had lots of interviews with authors um, in, in North America and the UK where they've written a fabulous first book and it's just been a showstopper, like millions of copies sold. It's been made into a film. Uh, everybody's reviews of it have been highly uh, successful and, pr and praising. And then the author sets out to write the second book and they get writer's block and they freeze and it can take them years and years to write the second book or maybe not even write it at all because there's so much more to prove because the first book was so successful right right so what do we do to uh, stop our sabotaging behaviors or the psychological reversal uh, well, I think the first thing is to acknowledge what's going on and and to accept it as well. Like, okay, hang on a minute, this this is what's happening. Um, to really become present and think, okay, for example, if I achieve this, whatever it is, this dream that I have, uh, what will this mean? Well, I'm frightened because I could be really successful or it could be a real failure, whatever. Um, and to honor that, that, that this is going on for us. And then, of course, to tap on it. Uh, so to acknowledge the fear that we feel um, and to give that a number and then to uh, tap on the fear of whatever it is. So the fear of success or the fear of failure. So for example, even though, uh, let's use the book again, even though if my book sells and it's really successful, this will put even more expectations on me. I want to accept myself anyway, something like that. Or even, uh, even though I'm afraid because uh, if this book is a flop, they'll all laugh at me. I want to accept who I am and how I'm feeling. So once again, Scott, it's very the, sim the simple protocol of uh, what is happening and how does it make me feel. So right now, I'm very afraid, and I'm afraid that this situation will make me very successful. <laughs> and it's funny thinking that uh, we can be we have fear of success, right? I know. I mean, most people would logically connect to fear of failure, but when, when we are, uh, when we perceive success, and of course that is completely um, subjective. My, my view of success could be entirely different to your view of success, but when we consider that, um, it, it pretty much guarantees that our life will change, even if it's in a small way. It will change. So this is what panics the subconscious, because um, as we talked about before, the subconscious does not like change. It wants to keep us exactly where we are, because where we are is familiar. And who knows the potential when we change? Uh, so for um, a couple of people that I've worked with recently, actually, they've, they've been in situations where they've um, 
they've either earned money or inherited it or whatever the situation is, money has come into their lives. Um, and there's been celebrations and relief and all the rest of it. But within a pretty short period of time, uh, most of the money has been spent or used or bills paid off or debts paid off, whatever it is, and they're back to square one. Um, and I think I'm correct in saying that there's, I don't know what the statistic is, but uh, the majority of, or, or, I don't know about the majority, but many people who win the lottery actually end up um, in debt uh, sometime afterwards because they have sabotaged themselves. They have ha received this huge abundance of, of money suddenly and perhaps not known how to use it appropriately. And then the fear sets in, the fear of success, the fear of failure. What will I do with all of this? Where, where could I be and, and what could I do, do in the world? How could I help others with this money? And sa they sabotage themselves and then they spend it all or lose it in some way. Right, right. So one of the things that was in, uh, there was an interesting movie that I saw a few years ago called What the Bleep Do We Know? And they talked about how mm. our bodies can actually become addicted to like a negative emotion or issue. And um, Absolutely. So, you know, if we become accustomed to being angry or hurt or victimized or our weight going up, or, you know, we're, we're reluctant on the subconscious level to let that go. And so, because um, I think, uh, like you had said, our, it's what, what our subconscious mind is used to. It's what feels safe and everything else. So it it becomes it's kind of interesting to me because it's sort of like the conscious mind wants to, I my conscious mind wants to lose weight my subconscious wants to gain weight right cuz mm -hmm. I'm losing weight I'm starving and if I starve too much I'm going to die so I and I'm starting to see you know maybe some of the reasons why at a subconscious level I wouldn't want I, so I guess one question is is why do I want what I have when I actually don't want that but since I have it I must want it that's right. Well, there's a greater part of you that wants it than the, the, the lesser part of you that doesn't want it. Um, I mean, there's a number of different um, uh, answers to that. I mean, one of them is uh, the, the fact that the greater part of us is our identity. So, for example, uh, the weight that somebody is or the fact that some, somebody's known for having a, a great temper on them. Well, how very convenient, because what does that often mean? If somebody, like you were talking about addicted, addicted to emotions, well, let, let's use the example of addicted to anger. So if somebody is addicted to anger and can become quite volatile, I don't mean physically volatile, but verbally volatile um, and perhaps unpredictable. Well, that's very convenient because what it means is everybody else uh, walks around on eggshells around them um, being very cautious and uh, possibly even afraid and doesn't really want to rock the boat. So nobody's, nobody uh, is helping the person change and their identity is, oh, that angry person. 
um, and perhaps they uh, they get notoriety out of it. It, it. it offers them something. It gives them something, well, a label um, or an identity. So if they were to change that, uh, that notoriety would change. Uh, so there's a greater part of them that wants to hold on to it. Um, another part is perhaps the person won't get the attention they currently get if they change their behavior or they change the situation. Uh, for example, uh, if somebody is very ill, uh, they, they may have a carer or um, they, there is an understanding with, within their family and their friends of their capabilities. Um, and people uh, possibly behave in a certain way around them. Whereas if they recover and become fully mobile and vibrant and thriving again, they may not get that kind of care and attention that they currently get as a oh, sick person. Right. Also, uh, I mean, in the case of perhaps somebody who um, has severe money difficulties, uh, again, if they were to resolve that in whatever way, they would lose their identity of the person uh, who struggles with money, and they may lose uh, the sympathy that some people have for them or the support that they're given or the understanding. Uh, sometimes uh, we're let off the hook almost if we have constant challenges in our life. Uh, people, uh, people almost uh, accept it and, oh, well, it, well, it's okay because they, they're going through difficulties or they have this going on in their life. Um, so if the person changes their situation, it could be that they won't get the, the, the attention uh, or care that they currently get. Right. And that's, yeah, and it's, it's weird thinking that we want to be ill, you know, or we want to be mean, or we want to be all those things, but that can be that can be part of it. So we, we can go through the the EFT process and and change that, right? Yes, I mean, for example, with with um, somebody who is unwell. Um, and they recognize uh, that they do get a certain level of attention. Um, and believe me, people do, because as you know, I specialize in chronic illness. And whenever I ask the question, uh, what is the downside of you recovering? Uh, very often, my clients will tell me, uh, well, I will be treated differently and I won't get the attention or the care or the level of understanding that I get now when I'm sick. So again, simply using those words um, in the setup. So even though being ill means that I'm cared for, I deeply and completely accept myself. Even though when I'm ill, I'm treated more respectfully. I want to accept all of me. Um, and let's use another example. Um, even though having no money uh, means people treat me differently. Or even though ha having no money means people always uh, cut me a break or look after me in a different way or something like that. Um, I want to accept all of me. So it's just identifying why we may be continuing in this pattern. And always, always, I mean, I can't emphasize this enough, Scott, it's treating ourselves with kindness and respect because very, very few people would consciously set out 
to be broke, um, unhappy, angry, very seriously ill, and so on and so forth. Um, we do, we don't, I'm sh absolutely sure people don't wake up in the morning if they're in that situation and say, oh, great, I can't wait another day like this, bring it on. Uh, people want change consciously, uh, but it's the power of the subconscious that holds us back because the subconscious is scared of the change and it wants to keep us safe and protected. So what we end up doing with EFT is communicating with the subconscious in a way that gets the conscious goal. These are my conscious goals that I want. I want to be healthy. I want to be at an ideal goal weight. I want to be successful. I don't, or I, I don't want to be poor anymore or have no money. Um, and then through the EFT and the realignment of our meridians and our energy, so we get our energy uh, flowing properly, uh, we're able to make that change r quickly and easily, right? Well, that's right. But I mean, it goes back to something you and I discussed um, in one of our podcasts about being specific. It's very important to be specific. You'll notice when you said, well, well, how can you use EFT on that? I didn't say something like, oh, even though I'm broke or even though I'm addicted to drugs or even though I'm very ill. I mean, this is too way too global. We need to pick it apart and get down to the, the deeper levels of why the person is in that situation. So now uh, you and I have discussed uh, in some depth twice now, psychological reversal, self-sabotage. This is a great starting point. What are the downsides of me changing my life to, for example, end up writing my book, to lose the weight, to sell the house, to leave my job, uh, to recover from this illness, uh, to whatever it is that the person wants in their life, the vision that they have, what is the downside to actually accomplishing that? Um, and that's what we can use EFT on. Uh, because even though somebody may strive towards their goal weight or full recovery or earning hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, they will not achieve that unless they override the self-sabotage. Or if they do achieve it, they'll fall back to where they were if they don't get rid of Exactly. Thank you, Scott. Yes, I mean, that's the next level, isn't it? Like you were mentioning your friend, he accomplished it, but because he hadn't fully healed where he'd come from, he, he fell back. Right, right. Cool. So we're getting to the end of today's episode, Annabelle. Uh, if somebody wanted to know more about EFT and and perhaps even working with you, uh, what, what should they do? Uh, well, they can visit my website, www.theefthealingcenter.com. And actually, my current ebook um, is called Tap Into Your Healthy Self, Recognize the Potential Within You to Heal. And it specializes in illness. However, the, the whole undertones of the book are exactly what you and I have been talking about, all about the power of, of the subconscious, why we self-sabotage, how we can move forward. And uh, I use uh, illness as the template, but people can, uh, can change it to whatever their situation is. And in my ebook, I have a lot of tapping transcripts so people are directed where to tap and what to say about specific issues cool well that sounds just absolutely amazing what is your uh, website again www.theefthealingcenter.com 
Great. Wonderful. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. We really appreciate having you along for the ride. If you've got any questions, uh, you can leave comments on our podcast page or, uh, or go to Annabelle's uh, website and uh, contact her there. Thanks very much, everybody, and I look forward to seeing you next time.